It is March Madness. We're in the middle of things right now. Bearded Car Cast, Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman. Very excited that you're joining us here as well. We've got a lot of talk, a lot to talk about. It's been crazy. I mean, you look at uh, you know the, the brackets right now with Minnesota taking on Canisius, St. Cloud, Minnesota State, Denver as the uh, four seed. They got Cornell. Uh, you got uh, number three Michigan taking on Colgate. Why don't we go through the CBI bracket too? No, no, this is the Division One Men's Hockey Championship. Day. Frozen Four. The Frozen Four. We got uh, the uh, Quinnipiac as the one seed in that bracket taking on the Merrimack Warriors. My Merrimack College Warriors. That'll be Friday. March 24th at 5.30, ESPN News. Make sure you join that. They, they have a – Warriors got a tough draw. Now, Quinnipiac's pretty good. If you've never heard of Quinnipiac, uh, they play in the ECAC 34-3 and this year. Wow. So Merrimack – That's an unbelievable So record. Merrimack has them in the first round. So, so And they do this um, one through four, right? So uh, – and they do it by – like everybody else does now, this one is by um, cities. So Merrimack's in the Bridgeport – so they have Quinnipiac. Harvard is the two seed. The three seed is Ohio State. And then you have the Warriors fourth. So Quinnipiac, Harvard, Ohio State, and Merrimack. Uh, so if Merrimack were somehow to beat Quinnipiac, then they'd have the, the winner of Harvard and Ohio State. That's a tough, tough bracket. Now, tough let's, let's peel back the onion. Yeah. We've already had this conversation <laughs> yeah, once. we did. We talked we, about it. We started the podcast. Yeah. We went maybe seven or eight minutes. Yeah, it was minutes. the best seven minutes we've done <laughs> Well, there was yelling and screaming. There, there was, was hooting and, and hollering. Screaming. There yeah. was yeah. laughter. Yes. But it, it, you just can't recreate it. Sometimes you have to hit record. Animal! <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened that actually in the happened. first go-round. Yeah, first and, go round. and maybe we'll circle back to it <laughs> at some point. But it was an amazing uh, weekend of the NCAA tournament. And your Merrimack Warriors play... I mean, a really small kind of shoulder part of the story, but fairly Dickinson, for my money, at least to this juncture, is the story of the NCAA tournament, oh, a team that Merrimack beat a in Mer- the NEC and, championship right. game. And you're like, wait a minute, Merrimack beat them in the championship game, but why isn't Merrimack in the NCAA tournament? Well, Merrimack's the, in their fourth year of transition to Division One basketball. They were eligible for the conference tournament, but once it got to the finals in the NEC, and it was Merrimack and FDU, it was a given that uh, FDU would take the bid because Merrimack was ineligible, but they still had a fantastic game I mean, the, for the I, championship game. I mean, it was an unbelievable year for Merrimack. They've had a couple of really good years. Yeah. It seems like they're going to transition successfully. Fairly Dickinson did not win their conference tournament, had to play in a play-in game. They were prior to beating Purdue, like in the 290s yeah. in Ken Palm, yeah. After beating one of the top seeds in the tournament, they were 275 in Ken Palm. Th- that and that's is, why people saying that was maybe a, a, a little bit better of an upstate than UMBC over yeah, Virginia. The UMBC upset was enormous. Virginia was the number one overall seed in the tournament. Yeah. You were there. I was there. Well, sort, sort of. of. Um, John asked me, so for, for those of you that haven't heard the story, uh, we were at the, uh, Dave got tickets for that. It was in Charlotte. And, uh, I think I got the tickets for the night session. And the first game was, I think Kansas state and Oklahoma, maybe, or it was Kansas state and somebody, it was Kansas state and somebody. And, uh, it was a Friday night and I took John, it was, you know, getting to be like nine, nine thirty. He had a baseball game. We had to get up early the next morning. 
And I was like, ah, one in 16. Like, Virginia's going to win this game. <laughs> like, we'll just go home now. Right. And uh, so I've basically been ridiculed the for it. Right, in right. the history so, of college basketball. So, so last week, last weekend, we had a bunch of, uh, John had a bunch of friends over the house. And uh, next morning, we were, we were doing some stuff. And he said, hey, does Dave still give you grief about <laughs> <laughs> Well, lot, Every now and then, yeah, we still get a, a little. A lot less yeah. grief now, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with yeah, it. You, yeah, you didn't have tickets in Columbus. I, I wasn't in Columbus. I wasn't there. Pass so. up. Right. But then it's the thing. UMBC won the America East, which yeah. sometimes is a decent yeah, league. Yeah. They weren't in a playing game. Right. They, these guys had to win a they game had to win in to Dayton, get in. Right. and yeah. then yeah. two days later show up right. and shock Purdue. And, and the world. I mean, that was a big... 275, 290 something. Yeah. I mean, remarkable. 6-3, their average height, the smallest team yeah. in the tournament. I, during the year, teams shot close to 50% against them, <laughs> yeah. and Purdue couldn't get the ball to Zach Eady the last eight minutes of the game. I mean, it was crazy. it was incredible. J- just incredible. And, and like, you can look at this in a, in a lot of ways. You can look at Purdue and you go, God, they've, they've lost to double-digit seeds now three recent times, but the story is not Purdue. The no. story is fairly Dickinson, and it's what makes college basketball magic. And we've talked about this time and time again on the podcast over the years. But in the NFL, everyone is a paid professional. When the Jaguars beat the Patriots, it's surprising, but it's not that surprising and in college football you can be app state and have your dream season and still play in the camellia bowl or (laughs) even if you make that that kind of extra um bcs game or, or college football playoff game it's still four days before the the playoff games and while it's super cool that boise states in the fiesta bowl or the orange bowl they're not really playing to be in the national championship, and here we right. are, and, and Fairleigh Dickinson wins, and Princeton is in the Sweet 16, yeah. and I know that we've stopped thinking of Gonzaga as a mid-major or a low-major, yeah. but here they are again in the Sweet 16, and, and meanwhile, Kentucky's season is over, and Arizona's season is over, and Purdue's season is over, and I, I mean... I, I know this is ridiculous. I, I looked at my wife about our, you know, 46 of 48 yeah. watching television on Sunday night. said, I'm exhausted. I'm I watching TV for 12 hours a day, four consecutive yeah. days, three TVs on at the same time. It, it, you think that's exhausting. you think that's exhausting? How about slashing out all your uh, teams you picked wrong <laughs> and then writing in the team that won? Because in the South and the East... Um, I, if this was like a, a English or math exam, I would have got an F. Right. Now, I'm looking pretty good in the Midwest and the West. I only have got uh, four wrong. Well, in the Midwest, you have the top three seeds and yeah. the five. You've got the one, two, three, and five yeah. remaining. Right. So that was really, yeah. really chalky. Yeah. In the West, Kansas went out. That was a surprise. Mm-hmm. But UCLA and Gonzaga and UConn were, were not surprised. Yeah, that was not surprising. But how about... Uh, Princeton, you mentioned them a little bit earlier. I just had to double-check this, and correct me if I'm wrong, only the third Ivy League team to reach the Sweet 16 
Cornell did it in 2010, and Penn, 78-79. Right. Do you remember that Penn team? I think you do. It was coached by Chuck Daly. Yeah. Do you remember him? I do remember Chuck, Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly. That was about before he went to the Celtics. That's right. Yeah. And um, they made it to the Final Four, and I believe they ran into Magic Johnson. Oh, I think that's right. Yeah. I don't. That that was the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird right. Final Four. Yep. That's why no one remembers Penn, because right. Magic Cause Johnson Magic and, and Larry. Larry Bird. Yeah. yeah. What can you tell us about the Cornell team in 2010? Uh, I think that was Steve Donahue. It was Steve Donahue. Coaching, and, then he, and then he went to BC. If I'm not that, mistaken. Yeah. Um, my memory, and, and it's not specific, is I think they were very guard dominant. They may have played the Sweet 16 at the Carrier Dome. Did mm. they play the Sweet 16 at Syracuse, sure. maybe? Kind of rings a bell, but rings I could, bell. Be, could, could be, be wrong. wrong about that. Send us that. an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. But but to have Princeton and to have Fairleigh Dickinson go out in the second round, but that game against FAU was, was a very exciting second round game. All those games in Columbus were incredible. That that Florida Atlantic Memphis game yeah. was unbelievable. It, it was it was a great weekend. Other than Fairleigh Dickinson, is there a major takeaway for you? Um, well, I thought Furman over Virginia it wasn't surprising. How about the end of that game? The end game? of that game, yeah. Wow. Oof. Have you seen the video that I think is now gone oh, viral? Oh, it's the Kevin Harlan, the layout. But isn't that, like, yeah. it's so inside baseball. But even, but even like, the look on uh, Stan Van Gundy's face. Totally. Yeah. So, for those who haven't seen it, Kevin Harlan's been broadcasting games for a long, he long is, time. He is a national he is, treasure. He's fantastic. He is terrific. He really and is the best. And that crazy sequence goes on, and J.P. The Pegues, only thing that would have made that better is if, like, a squirrel ran across the court. <laughs> Pegues hits the three after the turnover, and Furman takes the lead, and a timeout is used. And... As far as Harlan can outstretch his <laughs> yeah. two arms, he essentially puts a seatbelt on his two color yeah, guys yeah. as Stan if to say, and Stan Van Gundy. let it yeah. go. Yeah. Let the pictures yeah. and the yep. sounds in the arena tell the story. And, and for you and I who are in broadcasting, that is um, – that's the way you're taught to do it. Right. I well, mean, like the famous example is uh, the 88 World Series. Right. In the, the Kirk Gibson home run. And Vince Scully, and, and it's one of those things where uh, if, if you if you don't really think about it or if you don't read about the story, you don't really realize it. But you're watching that clip, and it's about a minute of just crowd. Right. But it's a cacophony of crowd stuff. And I would, I would ask that our listeners to try to understand how long a minute is. Just do you want to do a minute? <laughs> yeah, if we if we went dead air for a minute, everyone would assume there's a technical problem, right. and and we've gone awry on the podcast. If you go, yeah, another technical problem. You tried to start your freaking I to, timer. I hit the wrong thing. Right, right now, pressing start is not going well it's for not Mike Pacheco. Well. But if you just stop what you're doing right now for eight seconds. It's going to seem like a long period of time. Yep. Try doing it for 25 seconds. To go silent for a minute, minute yeah. on the air is incredibly Incredible. difficult incredibly to hard. do. And it really Not quite as hard as hitting the start button. Well, I mean, for for Harlan or for Vin, yeah. they had someone to do that for them. Yeah, that's we need an engineer. Well, I of course we do. We need an engineer. Uh, are we, an are we opening the application yeah. process? Yeah, it doesn't pay anything. In fact, you might have to pay us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sure that's very appetizing yes. to uh, right. a lot of people. As we look forward in the NCAA tournament, what games are you most oh, looking, wow. forward, yeah, looking to forward to in this round of 16? 
Um, I, I think just from uh, – well, Princeton, I think Baylor, interesting because you want to see that Princeton run continue. Uh, you know, Florida Atlantic probably has that same cachet. But then I think you look at Kansas uh, – or Arkansas, rather, Arkansas and Gonzaga. Houston, Texas. Well, says Creighton beat Baylor. Oh, I, that's one I missed. <laughs> hey, get out the red pen. I got to get the red pen out. Princeton Jeez. is playing Creighton. Right. Let's just really quickly. Alabama, San Diego yeah. State, Princeton, Creighton, that's the south. FAU, Tennessee, and Kansas State, Michigan State, that's the east. Houston and Miami, Xavier and Texas, that's the midwest. Arkansas and Yukon, Gonzaga and UCLA, that's the west. For me, it's Gonzaga and UCLA. Yeah. I think Jay Wright said on TV, and, and, and I agree. Well, I think I'm, Bill's had that. Like Bill's had Gonzaga going, I think, to his final four. I'm not sure the winner of that game shouldn't be the favorite to win the national yeah. championship. I really, really like those teams. It's a little bit West Coast bias. Gonzaga uh, really needed everything they had to get by TCU on Sunday night. And UCLA took a long time to shake Northwestern. UCLA continues to be without uh, Clark, their, their strong defensive player, maybe the best defensive player in the country. I, I just really like those two teams. I'm also fascinated by Alabama and San Diego State. San Diego State did to Furman Exactly the same thing they did to Charleston. Those teams who score a million points and get out in transition, they had windows. They had two mm -hmm. or three minute windows where they look normal. But for the huge bulk of the game, San Diego State just just yeah. allowed none of it. Yeah. They they are terrific on the glass. They are terrific defensively, and it is really hard to get in any sort of flow against them. And I think Alabama is going to struggle. That's not to say Alabama is not going to win, right. but I think San Diego State will play their game. Yeah. It's hard to tempo. That might be a closer game than you think. I, I, I think so. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. Houston and Alabama, top two seats in the tournament, both are alive. Houston got pressed by Auburn and Birmingham, but did get the job done. If I said, I will give you two to one on both of them making the national mm. championship, or I will give you two to one on neither of them oh. making national championship, but it's even money on one of the two making the national championship. Which of those three bets would you hmm. be most likely to take? All right, so it's... Uh, you can have both Alabama, of them are in the final four. Are, you get two to one on that. Yeah. Neither of them Neither are in the final four. Right. Or, two to one on that. Or even money that one, one of, of the two is in. I think I would take... Um, hmm, that's a good question. I think I would take probably two to one that they're both in the... Uh, Okay. Both that's my. I think that's the least likely scenario. I think one is far and away the most likely, and that's why the odds are the shortest on that. Right. But eh, you might be right because Alabama's path, if they beat San Diego State, that they're not facing a monster in Creighton or Princeton. I think Miami gives Houston an interesting game. They I'm do. still not yep. convinced that Marcus Sasser is healthy. Right. And then you've got Texas or Xavier on the other side. I don't think the path for Houston is easy. I I, I, I don't know. I Maybe they're both going to end up 
in Houston at the Final Four, but I, I, I definitely am not very confident. Right. Well, it's written that. here that that's going to happen, so that's why. Oh, I it's written it. in your bra- bracket. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I mean, it may. Yeah. I think I would bet against it. Particularly well, I, but based on what happened on the left side of my bracket, I would definitely bet against it. Right. Yeah. Although I have Alabama continuing on. I just have a funny feeling about San Diego State, Alabama. I don't have any teams advancing right now in the East. Everything I have is wrong. So you don't think it's going to be a Final Four this year? You think it's going to be a Final Two or a Final Three? I think it might be a Final Three. Wow. Because it's not on this paper. Does that give the South region winner a bye? Yeah, essentially. Wow. Yeah. That's why I took the two to one. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, since one of them automatically gets All there. Right, that's enough talking about brackets. My um, brackets. We can talk about the brackets, but my brackets, we don't need to talk about them anymore. No one cares. Anyone, did anything come out of the first two rounds that is a major takeaway the other way for you in a negative way? Fairly Dickinson, amazing the teams that have made it. Well, I mean, the big 16. one is Purdue losing. Okay, let's talk about Purdue. Yeah. Matt Painter has made that program, he hasn't made it relevant because they were, they were relevant well, well but it makes you before him with of, Gene Cady. But it also makes you untrusting of Big Ten teams. They've, they've not fared so well in the turn. Now, granted, Michigan State. What is it Purdue is supposed to do differently? They were the number one team number in the one, country yeah. for large part portions of the, of the yeah. season. They won the regular and postseason title in the Big Ten, one of the big conferences. And the Big Ten tends to be built in a way that is less athletic and more kind of of that classic style. I mean, when you turn on a Big Ten game, you know you're watching a Big Ten game. You know it's not an SEC game. It's not a Big 12 game. It's it's Big Ten hard knock in basketball. They are recruiting players largely from the region of the country in which they're in. And those players have a certain look and a certain feel, mm-hmm. and they play to their strength. Well, and coaches are also habits to their beliefs, too. Of course. Yeah. Now, the Big Ten has at least Michigan State yeah. still playing. Right. Is that the only Big Ten team still playing? Yes. Okay, so the Big Ten's got one team left in Michigan State. And Michigan State and Kansas State should be, I, I mean— I, I would not suspect that Kansas State's an enormous favorite. Maybe right. they're a Maybe 52 or a 55% right. chance, but yeah. Michigan State's got every opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Michigan State's going to have the biggest fan base at Madison Square Garden by oh, a mile. Yeah. I mean, th- those those fans are awesome. How, how about if you were a ticket broker in New York and you thought you were getting Purdue, <laughs> yeah. Duke, <laughs> Kentucky, and Michigan State, and you got FAU, Tennessee, yeah. Kansas State, and Michigan State, you better hope those green and white fans are uh, – ponying up yeah um and, and, and those aren't really hotbeds of uh new york state either. but but the big 10 yeah i don't really see where they go like they continue to play the way they play i don't know that anything is going to change i mean they lost to a fairly dickinson team who was much shorter Smaller, and had a much worse a record but they were more athletic of, yeah, yeah they were well, but that's the great thing about the transfer portal is if you think if you're Matt Painter and you're sitting there listening to the Bearded Car Cast and you're like, hey, these guys are right. Well, he's got time on his hands. He does have time on his hands. So maybe our, our uh, uh, I don't know. I, 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 but that's something you. It's, it's probably mean, a bigger problem, I think, maybe before. But if that, if that's something that they feel they need to do, 
uh, now you got the transfer portal to to try and do that. Did you think it was more an athleticism problem or a youth problem? Because in addition yeah. to Zach Eady, those guards are yeah. young. Um, I would say probably um, I'd say probably more of a youth thing. I would say that, and and, and you have to remember, uh, and not to uh, sell Fairleigh Dickinson short, but they even though they 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 came with Tobin Anderson from the Division II level, that they were pretty experienced and, and older players. How about Tobin Anderson got hired in, like, Iona. May? I know. Yeah, he went to Iona today, but yeah. that, I, I think that was a foregone Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He, oh, he starts to be right, job. and he had to kind of, like— He got the job right. so late in the game, yeah. and he brought three of his Division II yeah. kids with him. And, and like, it's, it's kind of funny because now we look at, oh, what a job, Tobin Anderson. They were 298 in Ken Palm. Right, right. They weren't very right. good. right. Right up until they shocked the world. Right. Well, the NEC is a little bit like the Big South. I mean, that's it's a lower, no level question, a lower major. No, yeah. no question. Yeah. And, and I mean, what? But, I just, but it just tells you about getting hot at the right time and and, the, and matchups. I mean, we talked about this. We talk about this all the time, right? I mean, they were more athletic and quicker yeah. than Purdue, and they bothered him. I thought Steve Lapis was terrific on that broadcast. He he said, it's too early to say this, but I think Purdue might be in trouble, and that was yeah. eight, minutes eight minutes into the game. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the game, he made the comment, no one on their team wants the ball, which was another yeah, mm-hmm. really, really on-the-ball piece of analysis. And Purdue couldn't get the ball to Zach Eady right. at the end of the game. And that's a big problem. It. I just don't know what they do. Like, maybe it's veteran guards. Maybe you yeah. do use the portal and you get a veteran guard or two. But it, it's got to hurt in West Lafayette when you're still trying to get back to the Final Four. I don't even yeah. know that Katie went there. I mean, you're you're talking 40 years. I say it was like, yeah, like early 1980 80s. or something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, I, I thought the performance by Baylor against Creighton was embarrassing. Mm. It reminded me of Auburn's performance last year yeah. against Miami. They didn't get back on defense. They didn't know where they wanted to go on offense. They just looked sloppy yeah. and undisciplined. Scott Truce won a national championship, mm-hmm. so you, you but it, it was disjointed and it was ugly if you can't show up to play at that level on uh, around a 32 game yeah. in the ncaa tournament that that's bad that's bad yeah i agree i, I, I mean I, I don't know what someone would say about the quality of play throughout the tournament there were a lot of low scoring games meaning there were a lot of low shooting percentage yeah. there were certainly turnovers so, so maybe the quality of play in the tournament has been marginal or mediocre or something like that but i think because of the one and done nature of it because the cinderella we look past all of that i think mm-hmm. if we watched an nba finals and it was poorly played we would go these the two best teams <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the nba but because there's so much at stake Take here each every game. Oh, every and possession can, matters, and we can get behind the the what Cinderellas. Ga- yeah, what game was it? Um, I can't remember. There was a someone called a timeout for a possession, and it was like early in the game, and and, and the announcers were like, "Yeah, this is a little bit early for this." Yeah, but but it's uh, you know every possession matters. Yeah, I I mean I I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I always no, been, well, thoroughly enjoy it. I, but I think it's if if the South and East were more like the Midwest and West, where it was mostly chalk. 
you'd still enjoy it, but it wouldn't be as exciting as we're talking about, you know, Furman upsetting Virginia, although that was a popular upset because it was a 5-12 game. Obviously, the uh, it was not FDU, a five twelve. Uh, it was a four thirteen. There That's were no no twelves won. I said four thirteen. We talk about the five twelve upset every yeah. year. No yeah. twelve seeds no won. 12 but seed, we yeah. now have had a fifteen seed win three straight years. years. I think. Yeah. I, I think some of those narratives are relatively small sample size and well they get hot because it happened like a year before two years yeah, but before. like a five seed upsetting a 12 seed isn't that a 12 seed upsetting but i think by five percentage seed, wise it has in the past it's been bigger right, right. i mean it's it happens frequently because quite frankly it's just not that big an upset those teams right. are five six seven point underdogs yeah. Th- those things happen all the time the, the 15 seed is no that's sig- largely significant yeah right um that's right. What are the chances a week from now we're looking at a Final Four without a, I'm not going to say a Power Five team because Gonzaga, you know, they're, they're essentially a Power, a power five. five. At least when team. it comes to basketball. I think San Diego State is, is sort of Power Five. Like, but are we going to get, actually, I'll give you those four teams. There's um, San Diego State, mm-hmm. Princeton, FAU, Gonzaga. We can throw Xavier in if you want because, you know, they're not in a Power 5, but it's kind of close to a Power 5. That's five of the 16 teams. Xavier, Gonzaga, Princeton. San Diego State will throw Creighton in, too. That's another Big East team. That That's six of six of 16. What are the chance one of those teams in the Final Four? I, I would say probably... I don't know, 25, 30%. It's pretty good. Yeah. I think it's more than that. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. I hope so. I think that's what makes it really fun. I've been That's what makes it fun. You got to have that, that that the only good the only thing better would be is if uh, FDU had won. No question. But FAU is a heck of a that's story. That's a great story too. too. Yeah, beat Memphis. Yeah. Let's talk about Winthrop. Let's talk about Winthrop. Not currently in the bracket. Not in the bracket, but plenty to talk about. The news last week that Kelton Telford is returning Huge. is an absolute game changer. I, I mean, when you look at it, you and I have talked about this. Um, I think you are likely now to return, and I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the league, but I think you're going to return the best five and the best one in the Big South. And maybe the most veteran team. You're going to be old. You're going to be old. A- a- and the guys that um, you wondered about coming back. Chase Claxton is going to be right. back. It, it seems fairly Looking likely that, that Mike Mike's Anumba yep. is going to be back. That makes you old. That makes you high IQ, veteran savvy, defensive minded. It also makes going into the portal a lot easier. Yeah. Instead of needing to hit home runs and needing to find all conference players, if you find those guys, great. But if you find merely rotational pieces right. who fit the puzzle, that's that's a really good sign. Well, and you can also um, maybe gamble a little bit. Like uh, instead of really poking for need, maybe you can use one of those on a, a, a you know if you feel like maybe a you know put back a point guard or if you feel like another spot. But you can basically just go get the best available athlete. Yeah, I mean, I think two of the scholarships have to be a wing. Yeah. You lost to Nari Lane, so I think you need yeah, you a need wing, like a, like a, a guy like that can go score points. Five, six foot six wing. A, a wing, 
of some sort, a scoring wing, yeah. and, some girth, and a some big of, yeah. of some sort, because Corey Hightower is a very significant loss, both scoring and on the glass. So I think that's two of your scholarships. But that third one, it could be some sort of hybrid. It could be some sort of project. It could be some sort of gamble. Yeah. It could be re- really best available. Um, th- th- there's some options there. And remember, we don't know what we're going to get out of Lawrence Barty, who mm-hmm. redshirted this last year. He would be a wild card. I think you would say in watching practices, I don't think he was ready last year, but I think he made big steps yeah, during yeah. the course of the season. He definitely looked better later in the I'm year. I'm interested yep. to see what, what he could look like. I guess we also don't know what the injured players are going to be like coming back. I mean, both Mike Anumba, if he's back, and right. Isaiah Wilson, pretty significant, significant injuries. injuries. So, so right. what can you expect out of that? Right, and I think... You know, that's obviously the – well, let's take the, the, the best-case scenario first. I mean, if they're both – and I think – if I remember last time we talked to Isaiah, I think it was – he was going to be uh, – at the time we talked to him was going to be right around the start of the season or, you know, maybe a few weeks in. So um, – but, man, if you can get those guys at, at, uh, at full strength uh, – You could really be an excellent – defensive team. I mean, I mean you, you could, could actually go with just roll those guys out and not yep. even go into the portal and maybe still be a potential a, favorite in the big side. Have a pretty good team. And, and speaking of winter basketball, what about Xavier Cooks? Oh, fantastic. He was playing uh, in uh, Australia and uh, they, it was a second championship, right? Didn't they win back-to-back championships? That sounds right. And uh, But what a great story, Dave. I mean, you know, leaves Winthrop, you know, unfortunately um, – you know, went to the NCAA tournament, so that was good. But, you know, only went to one NCAA tournament, which is not bad. That's great. But, um, you know, he really grinded it out. I mean, he, he was uh, on a summer league team and, uh, you know, played overseas, I think, in Germany for a year and then went back to Australia, was with the Boomers, got hurt, came back, uh, and, and played himself onto a spot in the NBA with the Wizards. But not like a 10-day contract. No, this was a— this, He got yeah, a four-year four contract yeah. for over $6 million. I mean, for the Wizards, it's a relatively small gamble. But for Xavier Cooks, it's life-changing money sure. and it's security. He's going to get an opportunity. Well, it's not one year where right. if you sit at the end of the bench yeah. or you get hurt, it's a four-year deal. He's yeah. going to have the chance to establish himself as an NBA player. And fulfilling a, a, a lifelong dream. Yeah, no, I mean, anybody's you dream know, yeah. growing up playing yeah. basketball. What, um, what does it mean? Does it mean anything for Winthrop? Everywhere he goes, it's going to be Xavier Cooks from Winthrop, Winthrop absolutely. University. He's back in the States now. Why is he back in the States? Well, because he played collegially in the Big South at Winthrop. Right. What does that mean for Winthrop? Is there value? I Well, what has this program really been built on, right? I mean, and it started with, with Greg Marshall, and he you know, that was kind of the foundation. Well, it really goes way back, uh, but from the division one era on, um, you know, Winthrop really took off in the Greg Marshall era. And then, you know, Randy Peel took the team to a couple of NCAA tournaments. One is, a uh, in the, in the play in game. And then Pat Kelsey, uh, you know, three big South titles, unfortunately because of COVID, uh, only able to go to two out of the three, uh, NCAA tournaments that they were eligible for, but they, they were one of the last teams in before the world shut down with COVID. And I think now that you can say, um, 
you know, one of the things I think Pat Kelsey did really tremendously well was sell the history of Winthrop. Animal! Animal! <laughs> we'll explain that later. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about, by the way. But um, but I think, you know, Pat did a great job of, of you know, really selling and, and really teaching the history of Winthrop and, and letting people know that, you know, this is a storied program and all the banners that are hanging up there. And I think this is just another piece of that puzzle that now you can say, and Winthrop has, a, uh, you know, an NBA player and not just an NBA player. I mean, he was an all Big South player, and um, you know Xavier was a you know kind of a stretch four, could hit an outside shot, but he you know wasn't afraid to drive it, go inside, and, and um, you know bang around inside a little bit too. So I think it's tremendously helpful. Um, Every time I see Tory Craig on TV, and it's pretty frequently. Yeah, I think a USC upstate. Yeah, he's been in the NBA for oh, six, sure. right. seven years yeah. now. I mean. When you see Damian Lillard on yeah. TV or Steph Curry right. on well, TV. Well, like Reggie Williams and VMI. Exactly. Yeah. Like, guys are associated with, with they the colleges yeah. right. they went right. to. I, I want Xavier to be successful for right. Xavier. But, boy, yeah. it's pretty good for yeah. Winthrop. The MVP of the Aussie League is great because all of those Aussies know who he is right. and associate him with Winthrop. But the NBA is just a whole different yeah. deal. Yeah. Well, maybe they should uh, go into the transfer portal and grab an Australian player. M- maybe. Maybe. Do you think Winthrop retires his jersey? Oh, he did graduate. He graduated. Yeah. We haven't had a retired jersey in I don't know when. Yeah. Did we? I don't think they ever retired like Mike or Craig or. No, or, none of those numbers are retired. So I think maybe it would have to be. Boy, that's a different. That's a di- that's a great discussion because, um, you know, obviously post career, I mean Xavier was a terrific player to begin with. So that, I'm not taking anything away with that, but in the lexicon of Winthrop history, uh, I think it would hard be hard. Just just forget about. Uh, I agree. Terrell uh, Martin's jersey I mean, has Martin's to go be up number one. before yeah. someone else. Yeah goes yeah. up and then you can argue about you know gainer and Gainer-Jenkins, jenkins keon right. johnson keon the all-time johnson. leading right. scorer right. Right. and you can go back and, and i'm right. sure people that have been around with longer than we right. have would yeah. tell you pierre wooden yeah. and uh yeah. a, a whole bunch right. of uh, james shuler right. and then they have to retire two microphones <laughs> well uh, of course it would start with mike cranston i don't know right. who the well, second three yeah. <laughs> um but but you do wonder if it would benefit Winthrop from a recruiting standpoint and a notoriety standpoint to put up Xavier Cooks' number. I've always thought what they should do with the team that beat Notre Dame is retire the entire team. Put yeah. put you know a jersey up that says right. the year and the yeah. record yeah. and the accomplishment. Right. And and then if you want to retire an additional jersey right. or two, do that. you can yeah. do it. But, yeah. I mean, shouldn't we... If you've got a player in the NBA and that can benefit you and you want to celebrate that, noted in some way? I think 100% should be noted. You know, how you do that, that's that's something for a later day. But just, uh, you know, it's tremendous uh, for him. We're excited for him. Uh, but you can't help but think uh, how helpful it could be for you know, Winter Athletics and Winter Basketball. This is the Bearded Carcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. At the beginning of the podcast, not the one you're listening to, <laughs> yeah. that the one that we started. This is one of the three or four best podcasts we've had, and all three or four of them had some sort of technical issue that never made it. This That's one, right. So that one didn't make it, but this one has. Right. And this one was kind of mediocre. It was fine. It was a space No, it was feller. good. It was good. That wasn't a space feller. It was better than that. Come on. Don't tell so, you. Hold on. I'm getting a, 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 I'm getting a telemarketing <laughs> right. call so, here. So at the beginning of the first take, which you didn't hear. You didn't hear. Right. Um, I think they got that. Mike's phone started ringing. 
And I said, do you need to pick that up? And we were recording theoretically. theoretically. And yeah. Mike goes, oh, no, it's, it's just a telemarketer. And I said, do you ever pick those calls up? And I said, no. You said, well, I, I think I you did said it. no, no, because if you do, then it, you get flagged or something like that. And then they just keep calling you. Yeah. You said you don't want to support it. Or yeah. You something don't want to. Like yeah, don't give them. And a, I yeah. kind of agree because yeah. when you pick one up, it feels like your phone rings yeah. more and more. Right. And I told you a story of how years and years ago, <laughs> and I it's would, not the story that you, you, you told me two stories or that that's the second one. Now i had heard another story. That's what I thought it was. But this is the story you're going with. Right. Well, there are multiple telemarketer yeah. calls. There was the telemarketer. You get the guy the runaround. <laughs> right. The, the, the first one, right, was when I was in college and they wanted us to change phone companies or something. And the guy told me he could save me money. Yeah. And I was in college and I had time to kill. So we had like this hour long conversation. And I was like, I mean, you can save me like four bucks a month. Like I'm like, it's a chicken sandwich, man. Yeah. Like, like I can't change just over a chicken sandwich. But the 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 one that I actually told yeah. on the first version of the podcast, which yeah. didn't no, actually they got the idea. No. <laughs> the was, I used to get a call from time to time, and I didn't know if it was a telemarketer because it wasn't flagged on yes, my phone. Right. And I would pick up the phone, and a guy would go animal, <laughs> and that would be it. And then he would hang up. And this would happen once a week, once yeah. every two weeks, yeah. once every three weeks. And if you didn't pick up, he didn't leave right. a message. Right. And after, So how many times do you think this guy called you? I don't know. Probably called 15 times. I probably right. answered right. eight of them, 10 of them. Right. Right. And finally, I worked up the courage <laughs> that when he called, I screamed, Animal! And he hung up and I never heard from him again. So that's what you do when Animal calls. Right. Yeah, he's just Don't you back. wonder what that person's story is? Yeah. Like, 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 how do you, like, what, where does that so come from? So I'm prank calling this guy, and I keep screaming animal, and then I call him, like, the 16th time, and he yells it back at me! So I never talked so to I him So I never again. called him again. Do you think he called, is that what he did all day long? He just called multiple people? Yeah, and it was probably, like, random words, too. Oh yeah! Like, you, know, like, you were you were the animal guy. Think he had a spreadsheet. Yeah, I think he did have a spreadsheet. He had a spreadsheet <laughs> was, of different words. It was some sort of social experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the sweet sixteen. 